You are listening to the Sports Jones Podcast with Andrew Jones. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? You're listening to the Sports Jones Podcast, and I am Andrew Jones. Back at it again for another week. Thank you for listening. Thanks for the support. First things first, I want to give a special shout out to my boy, one of my best friends, Lloyd. It is his birthday on September 23rd. Um, Happy birthday to my brother. Love you, man. Uh, If you're listening, thank you. If you're not, fuck you. (laughs) Fucking not with you, man. Fuck with you, bro. I love you, man. Happy birthday. And I'll see you soon enough. I'm going to get into some NBA talk. I'm going to get into the NFL talk with the wild shit that went down this past weekend as far as injuries go. Um, Honestly, man, it's crazy that in only two weeks of football being played in what has been, I mean, just your fucked up of all fucked up years, 2020 is not giving up. It's just unbelievable the shit that has gone down in the NFL in week two because the amount of injuries that I have seen and have witnessed this past weekend, I've never seen anything like this in all of my years watching football. I mean, starting with the worst of the worst, you got Christian McCaffrey, who's down with a high ankle sprain. I mean, Michael Thomas, same thing. He's down with a high ankle sprain. At least they'll be back. You know, if They'll be back at full strength. Who knows? But they will be back. But the ones that aren't going to be back, Saquon Barkley with a torn ACL, Nick Bosa with a torn ACL, Bruce Irving, who's gone with a torn ACL, uh, Raheem Moster has an MCL. I don't think he's going for the year, but it's not very promising when you talk about another knee ligament getting torn up. Um, Cortland Sutton, who was already injured in week one and didn't even play in week one because of a shoulder injury, he went down with a torn ACL and he's gone for the year. I'd even start with Derwin James, who was already gone for the year before the season even began. Um, CJ Uzama was a tight end for the, uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals who hurt himself, uh, against the Cleveland Browns. He tore his Achilles. He's gone for the year. Um, AJ Brown hurt. Drew Locke's hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt. Tavon Young gone for the year with a knee injury. Tyrod Taylor, bruh, he got punctured in the lungs, taking a cortisone shot for his ribs. Are you kidding me? Bruh. <laughs> it's like, you can't make this shit up. I mean, th- th- this week is one of the strangest weeks that I've ever seen in the NFL. And it's only week two, y'all. It's only week two. That's the scary part. I don't know how long... Um, this season's going to last as far as the amount of injuries that went down because of the lack of preseason, but it's clearly evident that preseason games that were missed is a huge part in why these things happened. I mean, there's no mistake about this. You can't ask, a, you know, even if it's a fully grown man, as healthy as they are in the professional game, these guys need time to build their bodies up to work, you know, into game shape. Like they're talking about preseason games that should be removed from the schedule because they don't want to have these things go down where injuries take place. But these are the kind of games that are needed for, let's say, building yourself up to work through the entire regular season because it is a grind. And also preseason games required by those, you know, really back end players that would like to make the practice squad or, you know, play special teams. They need some time to shine and earn their keep or earn their chance to make the big team. But. Damn, these injuries are harsh, bro. 
I mean, I've never, like I said, I've never seen anything this devastating in all of my years watching football, where in just one week, you're talking about, I mean, you're looking at at least 15 people that went down. And those are the notable ones. We don't even know about the other ones that are banged up or bruised up that aren't even being talked about. But the team that had the most impact from this past week, there's no question it's the San Francisco 49ers. And their season is just about done. I hate to say it because they are an elite team. But when you're talking about losing Nick Bosa, um, Solomon Thomas got hurt. I didn't even mention Solomon Thomas with a knee injury. He's hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt. Raheem Mostert got hurt. Richard Sherwin's on IR. Debo Samuel's on IR. This team is royally screwed. Look, I get it. Shanahan is a great offensive mind. I'm pretty sure he'll scheme up some shit that he can help take the weight off of the fact that the defensive stars are gone. But, dog, this is this is all kind of messed up for this team, considering that the teams they have to battle for in position for the NFC West are the Seattle Seahawks and the Arizona Cardinals. And newsflash, y'all, those two teams are pretty good so far. I don't know how they overcome this obstacle. Um, it's looking very bleak for San Francisco, considering the stars that they're missing on defense, which is their backbone to the team's success. And looking at the schedule going forward, knowing that they still haven't played, you know, the Seattle Seahawks, which they're going to have to play twice. Um, they have to play the Rams twice. They already lost to Arizona, which is a division opponent. It's not looking good for San Francisco. Hate to break it to you guys, but, like you know, especially those San Francisco 49ers fans, including one of my best friends, uh, Scruff, this team is fucked. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Absolutely just devastating weekend. I mean, you look at what happened this weekend, and clearly the talk about having less preseason games needs to be shelved. It, you, you can't tell me that preseason games aren't important. I understand that nobody watches. I understand it's a pain in the ass to even pay to watch these guys play in the preseason where these games don't matter. But this really is a big blow for any football fan when it comes to the stars that are missing going down the road for the next few weeks. It's unbelievable the amount of injuries that I've seen in week two. And it's only week two. That's the scary part is that how long can the season last and how many more people are going to go down based on the fact that you've missed, you know, you've missed all your preseason matches. You missed all that time in training camp and there's no repeating live game action in practice. So it's understandable that maybe if you don't want to play the preseason games, those veterans might not need to play the games. But clearly those young rookies, those, you know, bubble guys that need that time to shine, they need this time, you know, to earn their spot. I think it's vital. As much as I hate preseason games and I don't really even watch the preseason games, it's pretty obvious that this this discussion about removing preseason games altogether, it's probably in the minds of the head offices of, of the NFL teams right now. And this kind of talk will have to be discussed with the NFLPA because you can't have this happen. You cannot afford to lose this amount of high quality players this early in the season. It just doesn't make any sense. I don't know what you can you know, relate this to. I have no idea. Poor field conditions, poor conditioning. But these are some of the unluckiest injuries 
I mean, we're talking about six guys that are already gone for the year, seven guys that are already gone for the year in just that one week of playing football. This all happened in a span of three hours, three, four hours. This is craziness. So clearly the talk about having less preseason games needs to be discussed. Um, sorry, it needs to be shelved because you can't afford to not have these players get themselves in game shape to last through the grind of an entire football season in the NFL. And never mind the fact that they're already discussing having more games the following year where you're looking to add an extra game. Look, say what you want about the lack of, you know, competitive nature in the preseason games. But in a circumstance where you see this many bodies go down, this many bodies go down with serious injuries that are, you know, some are potentially career threatening. I don't know how you even scoff at the idea of keeping the same maybe two to three preseason games in effect. You can't afford to lose these stars, man. And look, Saquon Barkley, I mean, he potentially could lose his chance of getting a big contract because of this injury. You're looking at Kamara getting paid. Dalvin Cook got paid. Christian McCaffrey got paid. Saquon Barkley is going to be next in line, and he was supposed to be next in line next year. That's not going to happen now. I mean, the Giants are probably going to sit back and wonder if this is going to be a viable option to even give him long-term money because of what happened to his knee. And it looked ugly enough as is, but it could get really ugly with negotiations. You can't possibly think that the Giants are going to be out there front in line when, you know, for the last six, seven, eight, nine years, the idea of teams paying, you know, your superstar running back was a great option. Nah, man, they would just say, we'll take the three, four years of your career and this you can walk. Look at Saquon. How do you think he's feeling right now? Because I'm telling you, man, ACL injuries, as superhuman as it was for Adrian Peterson to come back after, what, six months from tearing his ACL, there aren't a lot of Adrian Petersons out there that can come back and be stronger than ever. So the notion that we're talking about having less preseason games because nobody really buys into those preseason games or watches them, fine. But at least give some, you know, Give a chance for those players to get their bodies right and build themselves up for the regular season because it is a grind. So buckle up, everybody, because, I mean, at the end of the day, we don't even know how long this is going to last. But these injuries that just happened in one week will not stop after week two. So um, speaking of more crazy shit that happened in the NFL this weekend, did uh, any of you guys catch that Falcons and Cowboys game? Anybody? Maybe? No? Okay. So what had happened was imagine the Dallas Cowboys being down 26-7 to because they were playing like shit pretty much the entire game. They make a little comeback, but they're only down 39-37 to with about a minute 40 left to go in the game. So when Dak Prescott runs in for the one-yard line to make it 39-37, you know, they're down two with 140 left to go in the game, naturally you go for an onside kick. And well, this happened. Zerline, the scribble's got to go 10 yards, and it's close! Zerline may have come through, who's got it? The Cowboys have it, do you believe that? Why do you need to let it pick it up? They let it go, they could have picked it up and ended the game. And they're only down two. Let's see. 
You don't have to wait for it to go 10 yards. You can attack it right there. Somebody could have came in and got it. You're just watching it go. Alamade Zacchaeus could have just covered the ball up. And now you've got all the Dallas players. They're right at 10 yards. As soon as that crosses that white line, look at them all standing there. They're just waiting for it to become a live ball. That is unbelievable. So Dallas gets the ball back because the Atlanta Falcons, being a bunch of dumbasses, didn't realize that they can touch the ball on a kickoff. No matter what the circumstances are, whether it goes 10, whether it goes 5, whether it goes 2, whether it goes 2 inches, you can get the ball. They failed to do that. Fine. But you let them get this to seal the game for the victory? This is ridiculous. This is utterly ridiculous. Atlanta Falcons fans, I don't know who's out there listening, if any of them are out there listening, but you got to feel like this is shades of what happened in the Super Bowl a few years ago. That is an ugly loss, people. You damn well let a 28-3 lead slip away to the New England Patriots in the Super Bowl. Shit, on top of that, you let them troll on your asses by putting 283 diamonds in their Super Bowl ring. Really, nigga? This has to hurt for Atlanta Falcons fans. That's next level trolling. Then you get from hyping yourselves up during this game, because like, you know how you know Atlanta Falcons fans were they were living it up. They were feeling good because they're beating the Cowboys or stomping the shit out of them. And then you let this shit happen. That has to go to bad coaching. For a player not to realize that they can grab the ball during any point of the kickoff, whether it goes 10 yards, whether it goes 5 yards, whether it goes 2 feet, whatever, you can get the ball. Who in the who in the right mind is deciding to stare at the ball at that point? Professional athletes that don't know the rules of a kickoff. This is the kind of shit that happens to the Atlanta Falcons people. I mean, look, I'm a Clippers fan, so I can't really talk my shit about being a, you know, cheering for a team but Atlanta Falcons fans must be feeling the heat right now. This was a game where they absolutely could have won and be 1-1. One and one. Now they're 0-2. And they're in the same division as the Bucks and the Saints. And the Saints aren't even looking that good. I mean, the Bucks aren't even looking that good. Like, they look, they look like they're easy pickings right now. And this, this division could be for the taking. Because the Atlanta Falcons have the talent to win. But man... You cannot afford to lose games like this. I mean, this has this has to be as bad as it gets in the regular season for the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, a lot of bad shit happened to them over the years. You know, Michael Vick, you know, fighting dogs, and Eugene Robinson getting booked during Super Bowl weekend for, you know, soliciting a prostitute. It was terrible. You're damn right it was terrible. Look, man, I don't know if the Atlanta Falcons are cursed, but in a circumstance where you are up double digits on the Dallas Cowboys... You have a chance to gain a game on the New Orleans Saints because they lost to the Raiders. You have a chance to catch up with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they're only 1-1, one one, just like the Saints are at this point right now. And you blow a lead of 19 points. And on top of all that, you came to recover an onside kick. If they end up not making the playoffs, this will be the game that people talk about. This game where they blow a 39-37 lead with 140 left to go and all they had to do was recover a kick or the fact that they were up 26-7 to before halftime. This is the kind of shit that will hurt and kill your chances of even making the playoffs if you don't get your shit together. And this is exactly what the Atlanta Falcons have to do. They have to get their shit together. Because if Dan Quinn cannot recover from this one, 
his ass is fired. Alright man, so out with the bad and in with the good. I am done talking about the Atlanta Falcons and I want to end this segment on a positive note. So I'm going to start giving you my power rankings every week. Starting with number 5 with the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers scored 85 points in two games. 85 points in two games and they beat two divisional opponents doing it. Now granted, I don't feel like the Minnesota Vikings and Detroit Lions are a strong case. Considering Minnesota was supposed to be a contending team to begin with in week one and they just crapped the bed and Detroit Lions are the Detroit Lions. Forget it. Like, I mean, we're end of discussion here and Chicago Bears are 2-0, but it's a hollow 2-0. So, I mean, Green Bay, this is their division to lose and Aaron Rodgers looks extra motivated. Aaron Jones looks strong as hell. He might even be an MVP candidate looking the way he looked in week two. So I feel like this is the Green Bay Packers division to lose. Number four, Arizona Cardinals. Look, the Arizona Cardinals, they beat a relatively strong Super Bowl contender in the San Francisco 49ers when they still had most of their horses in week one. Now, granted, they only beat the Washington football team in week two, but they absolutely dominated them. The score wasn't indicative of what you saw. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Kyler Murray looks like an MVP candidate, too. Sneaky MVP candidate, but it's still early. But, you know, when you get a good receiver like DeAndre Hawkins on your side, good things can happen, man. I mean, just look, ask Deshaun Watson how he feels about losing DeAndre Hopkins at this point. Number three, man, I got to go with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, look, they're looking like the best team of the NFC right now. As much as I gassed the New Orleans Saints last week, I could be wrong. <laughs> I could be wrong, man, because Russell Wilson is absolutely smoking it right now. Look, listen to this. Russell Wilson has two less TDs than he does incompletions. That's right. I repeat, he has two less touchdown passes than he does incompletions. He's 52 for 63 with 610 yards, nine touchdowns, and one pick. Look, he's cooking, man. He's lighting it up. He's looking like the MVP front runner. Um, I mean, at this point, man, you got to give the Seattle Seahawks their props. Uh, got to give it to them, man. They're looking pretty strong at this point early in the season. Number two, the Baltimore Ravens. Baltimore beats Cleveland. Baltimore beats Houston. Houston was a divisional winner last year. They handed him a pretty good ass whooping again this year. And whatever pundits were saying that Lamar Jackson was eventually going to be figured out by defenses. I mean, I guess the joke's on you because they still haven't figured out how to, how to stop this kid. And quite frankly, I think he's on a mission to prove that he is, in, in fact, the best player in the league. Now, you know, he's got to say something about this next week when they play the Kansas City Chiefs. But Baltimore's looking strong, man. Offensively, defensively, they are as complete a football team as there is in the NFL right now. And if they're going to jump up to the number one spot, they're going to have to beat the number one team right now. And that's the Kansas City Chiefs. Look, the Kansas City Chiefs didn't look that strong against the LA Chargers, but I'm going to give that to the idea of Justin Herbert starting as opposed to Tyrod Taylor, who they probably prepared for all week. Um, you don't have any tape on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert did look good. But it was basically a game where he was an emergency starter because Tyrod Taylor, you know, didn't get the start. And Kansas City is Kansas City. You still have Mahomes. You still have Kelsey. You still have Clyde Edwards-Alaire. You have one of the more potent offenses in the league. The only thing that I need to see Kansas City do is improve their defense. I figured they would be the case with, you know, second year, second year defensive coordinator Steve Spagnuolo. But it didn't look that great. Mind you, like I said, it's only week two. 
but this Monday night football game is going to be the tell is going to be the tell of the tape, man. Um, Baltimore and Kansas City on Monday night football. This could very well be the AFC Championship game preview that we're all looking forward to seeing, quite frankly. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. My top five NFL teams going into Week Three. Starting at number five, like I said, Green Bay Packers. Number four, Arizona Cardinals. Number three, the Seattle Seahawks. Number two, the Baltimore Ravens. And number one, the Kansas City Chiefs. And my God, I cannot wait for that Monday night game. I mean, that very well could have a flip-flop in the number one and number two spots if this game turns out the way I hope it turns out. All right, man, so on to game four of the Miami Heat and Boston Celtics series. And if you were going to tell me that Jimmy Butler was not going to be the best player in that game, but Tyler Hero was, and he was going to drop 37 points in that game, I would have laughed at you, man. <laughs> he was unbelievable. You can't explain how on fire Tyler Hero was. He was he was cooking from all parts of the court, you know, off the screens. It was off the pull-up. It was off the dribble. It was hands in the face. Jimmy Butler's the head of the snake. I mean, he is the, the lead dog on that team. But when you're talking about four players dropping double-digit points for the Miami Heat, and Tyler Hero was the lead dog with 37 points in 36 minutes? I mean, it's everything, really everything. Um you know, obviously the coaches have trusted me, but I think, like Coach said, the biggest thing is is my teammates from top to bottom trust me, um, from the oldest guy to the youngest guy, and that's big. Not all vets are like that, um, and they they really shine light on me. You know, ever since I've been in Miami, Jimmy's been the you know the biggest influence for me, and he um, just continues to teach me and help me. So, um, without my teammates, I don't think any of that would be possible, um, especially as a rookie. Tyler Hero, man, like as much as I clowned him. Early on for talking shit when I was watching him play the Clippers about a four or five months back where he was talking shit to Landry Shamit coming off a screen and hitting a jumper and then telling him, you can't guard me. I was like, who the hell is this clown? But he, he's proven himself, man. And considering he's only 20 years old, that's even more incredible. A 20-year-old rookie in a playoff game in the conference finals against the Boston Celtics, and he's the best player on the floor by a mile? And he does this in 36 minutes. Whew. What a performance. And what's even more incredible is the idea that Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and Goran Dragic was the only other players on that team for Miami that scored in double digits. The rest of the team had nine points. <laughs> Total. Four players drop in the 20s. The rest of that team that only gets three points. From three different players. Whatever happened to the Boston Celtics in this series, they're pretty much done. I mean, yes, I saw the Clippers blow a 3 1 lead in this series, but I think that the Miami Heat are pretty much locking this series down. They have the better, they have more mental fortitude than what the Clippers did. They have a better coach than what the Clippers had. And quite frankly, this series is done. I'm sorry, man, but you, I can't explain. The wolf pack mentality that this team has, and Jimmy Butler is the alpha male. I never would have thought that Jimmy Butler would be a team, a guy that would lead a team to a conference, you know, a conference final, even a championship for that matter. But I'm starting to believe, and 
God, I wish I believed. Man, I wish Jimmy Butler was on the Clippers. Can you imagine the dog mentality the Clippers would have if Jimmy Butler was on that team instead of Paul George? Shit. <laughs> this team is great. They're fun to watch. Um, you know, They may not be the marquee team to watch anymore because LeBron James is no longer there. But this team has that dog mentality that you know, a lot of basketball heads should, should appreciate it and respect. You know, you got Jay Crowder, Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, Goran Dragic, Duncan Robinson, Iguodala coming off the bench as well. You know, Udonis Hamilton doesn't play, but, you know, he, he's definitely a leader on that team. But for Tyler Hero to have his coming out party in a game like this in the conference finals where Miami was not even supposed to be there to begin with, I mean, hats off to that kid, man. I'm telling you, what a performance in Game 4. And I can only imagine what's going to happen in Game 5. But I figure if he can cook this way again in Game 5, this series is over. This series will be absolutely over. And uh, moving on to the Lakers, who will be playing the Denver Nuggets on Thursday. Um, I'm recording this podcast before Game five, Game 4 of the series. So, you know, if you're listening to this after the fact, I'm sorry. But I'm just going to put it out there. I still feel the Lakers are in the driver's seat. I still feel the Lakers are going to win this series. Denver Nuggets, they proved to me that they're not a team that's going to go quietly. They're not going to die out. They're not going to give up. Case in point, them coming back from two straight three, you know, down 3-1, you know, in back-to-back series. This team is legit. This team is on the rise. There's no question about that. I just don't think they're ready this year. Um, I feel like the storm is going to come for the Denver Nuggets when LeBron absolutely steps up in game four. And I think he understands the script here. I think he's seen it already. And I think he's going to have enough considering that when you see the Denver Nuggets come, come back from two straight series down three, one, I don't think you want to poke that bear, man. And I think LeBron James knows that Uh, clearly the rest of the Lakers know that. And they're going to handle their business. They're going to handle their business in game four. And I figure at this point, the, Compelling series being the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Lakers. That should be a fun one to watch, man. A revenge a revenge series for the Miami Heat to go up against their old captain, their old leader in LeBron James and the LA Lakers and Anthony Davis. Um, I'm looking forward to it. There's no question about that. I mean, at the end of the day, as much as it still hurts not being able to see the Clippers go up against the Lakers because I still feel that they, would, they had a better chance against the Lakers, um, it's been great basketball. Uh, the bubble, hats off to the NBA. Um, they did a great job. No COVID cases, a couple of mishaps here and there, but they handled it very well. And the basketball has been incredible. Um, I mean, as far as the intensity is concerned, I've never seen this much intensity in a playoff game or playoff series in a while. And a lot of that has to do with the lack of travel, even though they could be stir crazy being in the bubble for you know four months or three months, I should say. But, um, no, nah, man, it's been great. It's been fun to watch. I'm just looking forward to watching game four with the with the Lakers and Nuggets. But uh, what happened with Tyler Hero, man? Like I said, I got to give him my props. Um, I got to give him his props, I should say. He, he was absolutely stellar. The best player on the floor in a conference final against a pretty tough opponent, which you would never have thought coming from a 20-year-old kid. Look, uh, I just wanted to end this show just putting out my thoughts on what recently happened as far as the verdict 
in the murder of Breonna Taylor and how sad it is, man. As a black man, I live in Canada. I live in Montreal. I don't experience nearly the amount of vitriol and and hate as you know black people would receive in the United States, but that doesn't mean I'm immune. It bothers me to see that people that that look like me will never be treated fairly will never be seen as equal will simply just be hated because of what we look like because we look different um the decision to charge the lone officer who missed Brianna Taylor's body that officer was actually fired um his name is Brett Hankinson and he was indicted by the grand jury for wanton endangerment which is basically a fancy way of saying you're being reckless. So essentially, Hankinson is the one that gets time for hitting the walls as opposed to the other two officers that walk who actually hit Breonna Taylor and ultimately killed her. They walk. They're free to go. That's the insult to injury where the people that shoot this young woman who's 26 years old, an aspiring EMT and nurse who was looking to help people and help people in her community could not receive the same help when it comes to the justice system. And to me, that's fucked up. To me, that's, it's not right. Granted, yes, you know, the police were shot at first whatever the details were as far as you know the no knock warrant being issued as far as i know a no knock warrant doesn't mean you have a license to kill you're basically supposed to apprehend whoever that you are in the possession of that warrant and whoever's in that under that warrant that was signed for you apprehend that person or that individual life was lost and the people that commend police officers for doing their job in this case I don't know how they give them a pass I wish people had that same energy when it comes to black people losing their lives as well senselessly on top of this I mean 2020 is the year of clarity because this year showed us a lot um, it shows us that there are a lot of people out there that can see the injustices that are going on around the world especially in the united states you look what happened with the george floyd murder and the amount of countries not just communities or cities but countries that were rallying around and support in support of george floyd i never thought i'd see this i never thought i'd see that day where not just black people but plenty of white people were in support of what happened which clearly was a wrongdoing and we have to wait for that decision when the time comes but it also shows me that there are still a lot of people out there that just despise us because of what we look like despise us because we look different despise us because we don't look like them and a part of me would love to have these conversations with people that don't like black people um Obviously, it would take a lot of restraint 
but I would just like to see and get in the headspace of people that don't like black people for whatever reason and just find out why. A life was lost and people seem to think that it's oh, it's justified because of Breonna Taylor's you know, boyfriend or ex-boyfriend who may not be a saint, but doesn't necessarily mean that whoever she dates gives the people who are looking to apprehend said boyfriend or potentially Breonna Taylor deserve to take her life and we don't take it seriously. I wish things were different. I wish people would see us differently as opposed to just what you may see on TV or see in movies. I wish you just saw black people as people. It's You would think that it'd be hurtful by now, but it's almost like you're numb to the idea that there are always going to be people that just don't give a shit about you because you look different. And regardless of whatever dreams and aspirations that you may have, you have plenty of roadblocks to overcome. And mainly it's a societal issue. You know, society wasn't built for us to thrive fairly. It wasn't built for us to exist peacefully. And I just wish things were different. But if 2020 doesn't show you that the Black Lives Matter mantra has to be, it has to continue to be said. I don't know what to tell you guys. If you disagree with Black Lives Matter, for whatever reason, if you feel all lives matter, yeah, all lives matter when Black Lives Matter as well. We're not looking for more. We're just looking for fairness and equality. And if you disregard that fact, then clearly you don't believe that all lives matter. And I'm going to continue to continue to just spread as many positive vibes as I can because um, I want change. I, I, I wish things were different. I wish people would just be better. You know, I wish hate was not in in people's hearts for people that look like me. And they're out there. I, look, at the end of the day, I know they're out there. But if I'm able to just change one person's thought process about their views on people that look like me, then perfect. I'm not going to stop putting it out there that we deserve fair treatment, we deserve better. Um, whether it's in Canada, whether it's in United States, whether it's Japan, China, wherever. Whatever differences that you see in us doesn't change the fact that we are still people. All we're looking for is to just, you know, be treated fairly. It's just that simple. I wish hate wasn't filled in these people's hearts when it comes to people that look like me. It's going to be a long process. It's going to be a long journey. But, you know, at the end of the day, it doesn't mean we stop fighting. It doesn't mean we stop pushing for what is right. And and what we're trying to do is encourage people to be better. 
Guys, thank you again for listening to the Sports Jones Podcast. I appreciate the support. I appreciate the love. And I will talk to you guys next week. Peace. What's free? Free is when nobody else can tell us what to be. Free is when the TV ain't controlling what we see. Told my niggas I need you. Do all the fame, you know I stay true. Pray my niggas stay free. Made a few mistakes, but this ain't where I wanna be. Before I'm judged by 12.